You're listening to Parents You've Got This, the expert guide to parenthood. The complete guide to pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. This podcast is brought to you by Parents You've Got This and proudly supported by Mastella. Mastella is a natural origin skincare for babies and children, recommended by healthcare professionals. Mastella by Parents Side since 1950. In today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be chatting with our paediatrician expert, Dr. Lexi Frydenberg, all about newborn care. She's going to be discussing different medical conditions that you may see in your baby, as well as what to have in your medicine cabinet. Dr. Lexi Frydenberg is an experienced general paediatrician. She is also the mama of three and an experienced podcaster. She deals with a wide range of chronic and acute conditions from babies right through to children of 18 years of age and obviously supports their families too throughout the family's journey. Thank you so much, Lexi, for joining us today. It's lovely to be here. Let's start talking first about the six-week check and what a doctor or paediatrician or maternal child health nurse might look for in this check. Yeah, it's really important for mothers and babies, and if the father wants to come along, that's great too, to have that six-week check. Um, For the mother, it's really important to check on her health and well-being, and the GP will normally do that. But today we'll focus on the baby. It's important to check that the baby's general health and well-being, that they're feeding, growing, and that the mother and the baby have recovered from that birth process, which is, as we all know, quite an intense process. And what sicknesses can we expect to see in our newborn? Hopefully we don't see sicknesses in our newborns. They've actually got quite a good immune system, usually from the mother, from the placenta, Um, But children can get sick, particularly if there's older siblings. So if you have a child, an older sibling who's at childcare or kinder, they'll often bring home the common viruses, so the common cold, gastro. They're the most common illnesses we see in the young, you know, newborns or young babies. So for treating illnesses like those, what sort of things should we have in our medicine cabinet at home? Yeah, look, I have very little in my medicine cabinet, actually. I think simple things like having um, some paracetamol just in case, but with the proviso that if you're worried about your child, always get them checked, particularly in that newborn period. Don't keep giving them that paracetamol. So paracetamol is really the only medication I have. Then I'd often have some saline nose drops or a nose spray because they can get quite congested in the nose. Um, often some cotton wool in case they have a gunky eye and some saline. Um, and, you know, for the older kids, we often have Band-Aids, but not as much for the newborns. And what are the signs of a sick baby? What should parents be looking out for? I think the most important thing with, with newborns, particularly if it's your first, is to trust your instinct. So if you're worried or if you think, mm, my baby might be sick, go with it and and get them checked. But a few of the things that we commonly see is a baby might not be feeding normally, might not be waking for feeds, might not be having as many wet nappies. Obviously fever, if your child is really hot um, and it doesn't, we don't necessarily need to measure, but if you're worried that your child's really hot and you touch their skin, then get them checked. Um, Some babies might be quite irritable or unsettled, whereas others might be actually quite quiet and and floppy and pale. So they're all signs that you need to actually get your baby checked, particularly in that first few months of life. Do you mean get them checked by a GP or when do you know you need to go to emergency? Yeah, look, that's a really good question. I think if you're 
you know, it's all about degrees, isn't it? So if you're a little bit worried and they're still feeding and still got wet nappies, but you just want some reassurance, then book to see your GP. But with newborns and young infants under three months, it's really hard to know what's going on. Um, it's often, you know, the signs are actually quite varied um, and non-specific. So then I would say if you're worried, if they're really irritable or really lethargic, go straight to an emergency department and get them checked. For some of those conditions, Lexi, that are really, really common um, that we are able to treat at home, we might just touch on a few of those yeah. now if we can. So firstly, many newborns get gunky eyes. Yeah. Can we talk about these gunky oh. eyes and what to do about them? Look, they definitely look worse than they are. The children are actually not particularly affected by them and it's incredibly common. They'll often clear by themselves and often, you know, by 12 months, they are usually well and truly cleared. Um, but they can develop gunky eyes, um, one or both eyes. And what you can really do is get those cotton wool we mentioned with some saline and really try and wash out the eye and the tear duct. Um, some massage of the tear duct can be really helpful as well because it's due to a blocked um, tear duct. So sort of gentle washing is really helpful. Usually we don't need antibiotics. But if the baby's eye is red or really gunky or if um, the eyelid starts getting swollen and red, definitely go and get seen because occasionally we do need antibiotics for those gunky eyes. Another common problem in newborns is feeding issues and weight gain. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, look, that's why we get our babies checked with the maternal child health nurse because it's really normal for babies to lose weight in that first five days after birth. But normally they shouldn't lose more than 10% of their birth weight. And normally they get back to birth weight by one to two weeks. But if your baby's getting checked at the health nurse, they've lost too much weight, then we need to think about why and if it's a feeding issue and if they need extra fluids. So definitely worth getting checked. What about babies, Lexi, who have one part of their head that is flatter than yeah. the rest of their head? I know as a parent, you know, it, we can really worry about these things. Um, is that something to be concerned about and, and what can we do about it? Yeah, look, that's such a common question we get as paediatricians and the maternal child health nurses. And it's because a baby's skull um, is really soft when, so it can come through that birth canal. So it hasn't fully formed. And often if a baby has a preference for one side to lie on, they might get a flattening of that side and babies come out with really funny shaped heads. So that's really normal. By six weeks of age, the head's moulded a lot more and it gets to a more normal shape. And as time goes by, most children's head becomes that nice round head that we know. But if you're worried and it's really unusual and it's not going back to a sort of roundish shape by six to eight weeks, then your health nurse will check as well at one of the checks. And how do we care for that umbilical cord or what becomes their belly button? Yeah, so the um, umbilical, um, umbilical cord becomes dry initially and, and black, which is quite scary for a lot of uh, new parents, but then it will fall off. Um, and it usually falls off within that first 10 days. So our job as parents is to keep the umbilical cord dry and clean. And if it's red and sticky, use that saline again and the cotton wool and try and keep it clean. Um, but if it actually starts getting red around the skin, around the umbilical cord um, or the, the stump, then get it checked because you, your child might need some antibiotics, although that's quite unusual. And how do you know if it's a hernia? 
Yeah, so a hernia is when some um, internal substance, usually some intestine or fat, comes through some thin uh, abdominal wall muscles. Um, and so if your baby's crying or coughing a lot, you might notice a lump come through that sort of belly button. Umbilical hernias in that spot, we don't really worry about. They don't get into trouble. Um, so it's more an aesthetic. It might not look good, but often it will resolve with time and we usually don't operate on those. What about hip dysplasia, Lexi? I think we've all seen, you know, the babies that are in the, um, the splints and things. And, you know, what is, what is hip dysplasia and what are some of the, the signs that potentially a maternal child health nurse or a paediatrician is looking for at those early checks? Yeah, so hip dysplasia is now called developmental dysplasia of the hip, so DDH, um, is not uncommon. And in some countries, we actually screen for it. But in Australia, if there are risk factors, so if your baby's breech or if there's a family history of hip dysplasia, your child might get an ultrasound. But our, ourselves as paediatricians, your GP health nurse, usually do a check of your child's hips and that's to see if there's a clunky or a clicky hip to see if it might be coming out of its proper spot. Um, and there are some children who, if we have a clunky or a clicky hip, we'll send them on for a hip ultrasound in that first few months of life. And if there are concerns, we might need follow-up ultrasounds. But if there's a dislocation, we're worried that that hip might not develop properly. And so that's why you see those kids who are in the harnesses um, and uh, hip braces. And as I said, not uncommon, but really important not to miss because um, we want those hips to develop properly. And nappy rash is something that plagues a lot of parents. I know I had like the Mastella nappy rash cream um, in my bag constantly. Can you talk to us a little bit about how to deal with nappy rash? Yeah, I think all babies get nappy rash, don't they? But it's about degrees as well. So it's due to that moisture, that irritation from the wet nappies or the poo on the skin. Um, so really important to try and change the nappies when you can, um, not leave children too long for hours and hours in a wet or soiled nappy. Um, try leaving the baby without a nappy and get that fresh air on the skin as well. Um, you can soak the baby's bottom in, in a warm bath as well and, and really try and make sure it's dry afterwards because it's the moisture that causes that rash. Um, and a barrier cream can be really helpful. So like a zinc-based barrier cream, really just to prevent that nappy rash. And then there's obviously uh, uh, many types of creams that you can use to try and, and help things. Lexi, we touched on umbilical, umbilical hernias just before. Can we talk about hernias in other areas that we might notice in our newborns? So for example, in the scrotum or in the groin, um, what causes these and, and when do we need to be concerned? Yeah, so these are different types of hernias. Mm. So a hernia when there's extra sort of um, intestine, usually bowel, that pushes through into the scrotum um, around the testicles, we do need to worry about these. These will always need surgery. So not necessarily immediately, but they're because they're at risk of strangulation, there's a risk of that intestine um, turning on itself and cutting off that blood supply these always need an operation. It's not a big deal, but they do need to be seen. So if you're worried there's a lump in your child's scrotum, either one side or two sides, or even a lump um, in the groin area, because our test, or not our, the boys' testes start in the tummy and move down. If you feel a lump particularly more noticeable on coughing or crying, it sort of comes out, 
definitely get seen and you will, your child will need to have that operated on. Oh, that's such great advice. Um, there's lots of variation in bowel movements. And I know as a parent, I remember texting my husband, oh my gosh, my daughter's finally done a poo after 10 days. I was so relieved. <laughs> the things you do when you become a parent. Um, but there's constipation, there's diarrhea, you can have mucus in your poos, scary sometimes blood. Can you talk to us about the different bowel movements a baby can have and when we should be worried? Yeah, so, you know, poo's one of my favourite topics. <laughs> kids call me Dr. Poo. But essentially, poo's very enormously, both in colour, consistency, what's in the poo. Um, so the poo initially, when your baby's born, will be black or dark green. It's meconium, you might have heard of. And that will pass uh, usually within 48 hours. Then the baby's poo usually be, is sort of that dark green and then it just starts changing colour. And sometimes it's yellow or orange or mustard colour. We don't really worry about the colour of poo unless there's blood. So bright red or dark red or black might be old blood. Or if there's a lot of mucus, which is that sort of snotty white stuff in the poo. So they're the real colours we worry about, but most colours are normal. In terms of consistency, you mentioned, Christy, that 10 days. So breastfed babies can actually go up to two weeks without doing a poo. It's quite so stressful, isn't it? Stressful. But we don't worry. Yeah. But um, if they're really stressed and uncomfortable and struggling to pass that poo, yeah. that's when you need to treat it. So if it just comes at 10 days, but it's okay, and they're not distressed by it and it passes, no need to worry. So yeah, there is a huge variation um, but blood, mucus or really pale poos, they're the ones we worry about or if your child's uncomfortable. So Lexi, earlier on in the conversation, we talked about the role of a doctor and a maternal child health nurse checking baby over at that six week mark and earlier as well. Um, some of these things that we've just gone through are things that would be picked up in those sorts of checks. Are there, is there anything else? Are there any other reasons um, why those tests happen or why those checks happen um, or any other things that you're looking for in that early period to make sure that a newborn's healthy? Yeah, so we said there's that six to eight week regular um, uh, maternal child health nurse check which is provided and usually what we do either maternal child health nurse, GP or paediatrician at that time goes from head to toe and a lot of these things might be picked up so that flat head, the gunky eye, we look in the we check the nose that the, the child's able to breathe through their nose. We check the, the mouth, the palate, the lips. Then we go down and we often um, will check and listen to the heart and listen to the lungs, which we haven't talked about as well. We'll check the tummy. We'll check the hernias. We'll check those hips. We'll check that all the fingers and toes are there. So really, I go head to toe. And also, um, we have a look for a light reflex in the eyes to make sure there's no cataracts in the eyes. So yeah, that that really comprehensive physical check's important, but as we also mentioned, the wellness check, making sure the mum and dad are doing okay, that, um, you know, there might be signs of postnatal depression you're worried about in, in the mother. So that check's really important for both a, a, you know, mental health, wellbeing point of view and a physical check for the baby. And what's a baby's immunity like um, and why do we have vaccinations? Yeah. So as I mentioned, newborns um, and within the first six months don't get a lot of illness because they've got quite a good immune system from the mother. But after six months, that starts to wane and it doesn't really pick up till they're sort of in those preschool school years. 
So that's probably, as you both know, that first three to five years of life, your kids get sick all the time. All the time. Usually with the common viruses, but usually we say one a month. So 10 to 12 infections a year. But they're good. Having infections is good. Your baby's immune system will build up. What vaccinations are for? Uh, to prevent serious infections um, that we can. Um, so not your common cold or common viruses. These are more serious and often life-threatening infections. So in each state, there'll be a different or very similar um, um, immunisation schedule. Um, and immunisations are provided by the government and they cover a very broad range of serious infections like diphtheria and tetanus and whooping cough, polio, meningococcal, hepatitis B, haemophilus, chickenpox, measles, mumps, rubella. Um, so there's some really common, um, they're all part of the immunisation schedule and then there's some extra uh, immunisations as well, like the influenza vaccine you might hear about that we don't recommend before six months, but do recommend after that. Lexi, if we have a very distressed baby, and um, we, we all know that babies do cry, but if we have a baby that is really inconsolable and we're just not confident that there's nothing wrong, mm. um, what do we do? How do we know if it's colic or reflux or, you know, what are the, some of the common reasons for that sort of level of distress that you can see yeah. in babies? Crying, it is one of the really hard things to do with as a parent. Even myself as a paediatrician, I had one of those really, one of my children incredibly irritable and I had no idea how to console him. But crying's normal. It's a baby's way to communicate. They can't talk with us. So it's really common in that first few months of life, peaks at about six to eight weeks and then starts getting better. And by three to four months, they cry a lot less if there's no underlying medical reason for it. Um, so colic's just a word to describe when a baby cries or fusses a lot. And the definition is if they cry for more than three hours a day, more than three days a week for more than three weeks. But really, if you've got a baby that's crying and you can't settle them, there's no obvious cause for it, they're not unwell, get them checked. There might be a reason, but often it might just be that normal trajectory that babies, you know, communicate with. So Colic, as I said, it's just an, a name and there's no great cure for it. Reflux is slightly different. So reflux is when the contents of the stomach and um, the milk and food go back up the esophagus, that um, the gullet, and sometimes even into the mouth and babies can vomit. So if you've got a happy, thriving baby who's um, vomiting, we don't usually intervene. That's quite normal for the fluid to come up and down. But if your baby's in a lot of pain, if they're not putting on weight, if they're not sleeping, if they start having gagging, choking, swallowing problems, um, if they're breathing really fast and you're worried that actually the fluid or food's gone into the lungs, um, definitely get them checked because there is a condition called gastroesophageal reflux disease when it's caused these more serious problems and sometimes that might need some treatment. Well, thank you so much, Lexi, for being on this week's podcast. That was such fantastic expert advice. And I think it's great for all parents to listen to their intuition. If something isn't right, like you said, Lexi, just go and get it checked out. Absolutely. And no one will be upset with a new parent, particularly with a newborn or under three months, if they come, if they're slightly worried. So please get checked. Thanks for having me pleasure. Uh, next week on the podcast, we're going to be chatting all things breastfeeding with our breastfeeding expert, Rowena Gray. 
A big thank you to Mustella for sponsoring this episode. Did you know that cradle cap happens to one in three babies and that it has nothing to do with hygiene? If you are dealing with cradle cap, reach for the dermatologist and paediatrician tested combination of gentle foaming shampoo and cradle cap cream. They can be used to manage cradle cap by reducing flakes and minimising their reappearance. Never forget parents, you've You've got got this. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, a discussion with your doctor or healthcare professional. Parents You've Got This take no responsibility for any medical decisions made by individuals based on the information provided in this podcast. Join a Parents You've Got This masterclass today to be prepared, excited and educated for pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. Visit www.parentsyou'vegotthis.com.au and sign up for a masterclass today.